Do you want to make games? Join the WVU Game Developers Club. They meet every Thursday at 6.30 in the Evansville Crossing, room 412. No primary experience is necessary. They help you make your first game, regardless of what background you have. Uh, everyone is welcome. You can check them out on Twitter at WVUGDC. Also check out their Facebook page. We hope to see you there. Hey, and welcome to Game Talk, episode 14. I'm your host, Emin Mion. This week, I'm joined by Tristan Snyder. Hello. And Michael Dumeyer. Oh, yes. And right off the bat, we're going to start by talking about EA, and more specifically, current events surrounding EA. To sort of capture what's going on right now, Star Wars Battlefront 2's release is imminent, and a bunch of shady practices concerning that game's loot boxes and like microtransaction system have come to light. And it's really, really painted the company in a really nasty light. It's a very kind of anti-consumer scumbag sort of image for EA. And I think anyone who's into games, that's all they've been hearing about for the past few days. So I just wanted to kind of bring that up to you guys and see what your guys' thoughts are. And maybe for those who aren't as informed, kind of give, give, uh, give other people some facts about the situation. The whole idea behind this backlash is that the entire progression system in Star Wars Battlefront 2's multiplayer is tied to loot boxes. Um, these loot boxes provide you in-game advantages, such as like reduced cooldown for your abilities, as well as the ability to unlock certain heroes. Um, for example, I think to unlock Darth Vader, initially it was going to take roughly 40 hours of play to do, which is just ludicrous. Like, the, pretty much the main character of Star Wars is locked behind either 40 hours, like a full-time job week's worth of play, or, like, you shell out the money to, to buy him, which is pretty insidious. Since the sort of backlash, they kind of walked that back down to, like, 8,000 credits or so. But being EA being EA, they also reduced the credit rewards for completing certain missions and activities. So it's essentially the same situation. So I just kind of wanted to, like, throw out, like, what do you guys think of EA's situation right now, and how should we, as consumers, handle it? Well, I'm not saying they're actively pursuing a third golden turd, but they certainly are taking steps towards being, voted yet again, the worst uh, company in America, which is not a great stance to have on your uh, company. No, um, I, I would think it's not the best sort of look. Yeah, so originally when Star Wars Battlefront 2 came out, uh, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker were locked at 60,000 credits, which is <laughs> absurd given the amount of credits you get. So they've recently scaled that down 75% to Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker are 15,000 credits. Characters like Han Solo and Leia are at like 10,000 credits. And then some other character I can't recognize from their name alone is like 5,000 credits. So that's still a large amount of in-game time spent that can be totally overcome by someone who's willing to drop like 20, 30 bucks, right? And that's the sort of insidious part. If you pay in this game, you will have tangible advantages over people who don't. Yeah, there was an example uh, earlier today on Reddit where... Uh, a player of the game noticed like a level six or seven player uh, was way outclassing them with 
car like star cards are what are giving you these advantages in the game. They're what determine your loadout and your abilities. And this this character or person who had been playing way less time compared to this other player was destroying them. And another example I saw, there was an image of one of the star cards being that your aim assistance on your main gun, which means that uh, your gun will just lock on to players much more easily. It just went up. Um, and, I'm, and they said they were trying to avoid pay to win, but when you have in-game advantages... That's the very definition of pay to win. Yeah, when you have an in-game advantage that deliberately pumps up your ability to lock on to another player and dis- destroy them, that's very pay to win. I think it, I think it'll be it, it's it's a good idea to sort of sequentially capture everything that's happened. So, Michael, you had that Reddit post pulled up from the EI uh, the EAPR guy, right? Yeah. So, um, when when wind of this first got out, there was immense backlash on the internet, and some EA rep came onto Reddit and said their whole idea behind the progression system. I'm paraphrasing here. Was yes, it'll it'll take a very long time. Uh, for normal players to get these advantages, but they wanted to provide the players with like a sense of pride and accomplishment or something like that. And what was Reddit's response to that? Oh, well, Reddit's response was uh, 86 guildings and negative 677,000 downvotes. So just to kind of put that in context, I mean, Reddit's one of the most prolific sites on the entire internet. And the previous most downvoted comment was somewhere around negative 25k. And that was strictly because the person that got that last one asked to be downvoted for fun. This one is PR. And just obviously the, the, the gilded part of that is just some sort of troll move, right? But, like, the main idea is that there was immense uh, player backlash to this company response, like, to the likes of which the Internet has never really seen before. And that actually sort of resulted in, like... 24 hours later or something like that, an EA sort of immediately backpedaling their stance. So like like you mentioned, Tristan, the cost to unlock Darth Vader went down from 60000 to 15000 or whatever you said. But oh. the insidious part is they also reduce the rewards you get, the credits you get from completing matches and completing the campaign. So it's like, what did that really even do? <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know. It's It's frustrating to me because... EA has the rights to one of, if not the most popular IP in the world, Star Wars, right? Just even by the name Star Wars attached to their game, they didn't have to have any sort of microtransactions, and they would have made billions of dollars from Star Wars, you know? But being the greedy corporation that they are, they want to extract every single penny that they possibly can by pumping it full of microtransactions loot boxes to the point where like to the point where I I feel bad for DICE who developed the game because I feel like underneath all of that they have a really cool fun sort of game fun multiplayer experience but it's just been so injected with these these loot boxes and pay to win mechanics that like all that is sort of just overlooked and and that's all that people are talking about now you know so I want to come back to this idea of I don't believe that EA um, I don't want to believe that everybody in the industry right now is looking at 
pumping microtransactions into their game and just getting... Obviously, the point of a business is to make as much money as they can for their investors. And given that EA is a publicly traded company, their main concern is to get money for the people that are putting money in. But I don't think they're going about it right. No, I absolutely agree. That's their goal. But they've sort of passed the threshold where it's acceptable to a consumer. Now it's just... It's literally just such a scummy look. It's just like them basically shaking down their players for money. And it's just like, why, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. You'll make plenty of profit without doing this. And I actually think the, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea to think that the immense negative online reaction to this will impact Battlefront 2's sales and maybe change their business practices going forward. But again, like I, I like to point out, the ones talking about this, we are the minority when it comes to the people who buy these games. The average consumer sees a Star Wars commercial on Adult Swim and is like, oh, the new Star Wars game's out, and goes to GameStop the next day and buys it, or like a parent gets it for the kid for Christmas or something like that. So I, I wonder if maybe like the internet reaction to this has been so loud that maybe mainstream people are starting to hear about it and there will be a negative I mean, backlash. EA has removed the refund button or uh, supposedly they've removed the refund button oh, yeah. from their customer portal just to, because p- apparently people have been canceling in mass. And yes. Maybe because they want people to wait 60 minutes to live chat with support to try and cancel Yes, I, I, I saw that as well, which is also, I think, very encouraging from our perspective that it seems like the backlash is significant enough for EA to actually be affected. So I, I was watching... Uh, a news source earlier today, and um, I remember hearing about this specifically. Is so Battlefront Two released what last week? Like no, it's. I don't think it's out yet, right? Okay, it, it's gonna be out. It's like out in early access right now, but well, like uh, it'll be out for right? everyone like soon. I think in a couple days or something. Okay, so there was a post on EA's official site going back three, four years at this point, talking about how what's happening right now may be. A company policy where the refund button just doesn't show up. But you gotta admit, either like no matter what the reasoning, the timing is very suspect, right? It's strange. I'll give it that. It is weird that um, after all of this backlash, suddenly there's no refund button. But we, I don't think we have any other case of such uh, proportion to compare it to, where uh, people would be going to find right. A refund button on EA's site in mass like this. Uh, I agree. I think this is pretty unprecedented, but I still think like it's it's a matter of optics, right? Like I feel like everyone at EA, you don't have to be like a marketing special to realize how like shady and stupid removing the refund button right now would be. You know, regardless of what sort of hardships it does to the people who are trying to assist people looking for refunds like it's just not the best move for the company right now but they went ahead and did it once again showing that they really don't care about the customer so much as their money and i eventually like i mean this is having that mindset's good in the short term but eventually if you keep treating your customers the way you do like like the way ea is doing they're going to turn away and they're going to see that profit like disappear quickly yeah, I feel really bad, especially because now instead of there being a refund button, what you have to do to cancel your pre-order to refund the game essentially is you have to have like a live chat session with someone working as customer service. 
Um, and I feel bad for those people because... Yeah, those people are getting, like, the brunt force of it. Yeah, and they're just as big of fans as everybody else's, I'm sure. A lot of them love playing games. And I saw one post where someone screen-capped their conversation, and they were asked, why are you refunding this game? And the person only had to say, I mean, you certainly you've heard about what's going on. I saw that same picture, I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. This It leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. It's like EA. I mostly blame... The top executive level. No, certainly, um, yeah. This is where that's all coming from. But, like, they're... Like, the CEO, I I imagine they're so detached from, like, what's actually happening. Like, on the ground level, they just... They really just care about the numbers they see pop up on their smartphone. Another really scummy thing I kind of want to point out. I wonder if you guys heard about this. EA, for the review copies of Battlefront 2 that went out, they lowered the amount of uh, credits needed to unlock heroes. So reviewers would unlock heroes more quickly and play as them and factor that into their reviews, which is just the worst, in my opinion. Like, that's a deliberate action that's deceptive in that it's going to try and trick reviewers into believing it's that's the way the game works. So they unlock more heroes, have more fun with the heroes, and maybe give the game a higher score which in turn more people read those reviews, maybe go buy it because of that high score, when that high score is not justified at all. Uh, Kudos to Kotaku. They did actually some real journalism right here. And there was a person who claimed he was an EA game dev. Oh, yeah, this is Jason Jason Schreier, just really quick. He's probably the best video games journalist in the world right now. He, He always does stuff like this. Yeah. But, yeah, go ahead. He said he was an EA game dev and had been saying he was an EA game dev for a long time. And recently, along with all this like hoo-ha about EA, he recently said, I've been getting death threats from people. And when journalists, when Jason Schreier decided to look into that, nothing matched up. There was no guy named Sean working at EA yeah. in any position. It looked like he was faking working at EA for years, which just, if you wanted to fake working somewhere, why would you pick EA? But anyways, but the point is, um, yeah, death threats are are horrible, of course, and in this case, they seem to be, this this guy seems to be fake, but I do want to point out that actual EA employees were getting death threats uh, in addition to this fake guy, so, like, that's nothing to be taken lightly. I think this is completely ridiculous, too. You're sending death threats because your entertainment is not the way you expected it people, to go. I pe- understand the, the hype guys around it, but there's other games. Just... And just sort of like going off of this tangent, this is why the game, the gaming, gaming culture, quote unquote, has such a bad reputation. It's because of behavior like this. Like, this sort of makes me recall No Man's Sky. Yes, Sean Murray, the creator of the game, blatantly lied about features that would be in the game. But that does not give you license to send hundreds upon hundreds of incessant death threats. And like, that's no exaggeration. Yeah. Hello Games and Sean Murray literally were bombarded by scores of death threats. And it's just like, please just act like a normal human being, you know? It's a video game at the end of the day. Yeah. Express your disgust and explain... By not buying it. By, by not buying it. And then when they ask why you didn't buy it, just respond what you didn't like about what they did. And hey, maybe they'll get it right the next time. But No, really, that is the strongest message you can sell because at the top level, these decisions are made looking at dollar signs, right? So, like, we have loot boxes now. Games are inundated with loot boxes now because people buy loot boxes. And now, we've, with the release of Battlefront 2, we've been taken to the next, like, logical step of that, 
where it's just the entire game hinges on loot boxes. It's not cosmetic anymore. It's literally built into the foundation of the game, which is a very, very scary thing. And I think we as gamers have to say enough is enough and stop it here. Otherwise, if Star Wars Battlefront 2 sells millions and millions of copies and generates the kind of money EA wants it to generate, then that's a very bad sign for where the industry is heading because you'll see that in dozens of games in in the, in the years to come. There have been a there have been a number of game devs from other companies um, that aren't owned by EA that have come out uh, or against this whole this level of loot boxes. They I think they understand a certain level as to where the industry is going and why they need loot boxes. But they, none of them agree with the amount that, is, uh, that EA has reached. I mean, like, like I said, EA just escalated it to the next level. I mean, we had a recent episode, actually, just a couple weeks ago, just talking about loot boxes. And we all came to the sort of mutual cons- consensus that as long as the loot boxes were cosmetic and not altering gameplay in any way, sure, put them in. But now we've reached the point in the span of less than a month since that episode that it is the case that it's altering gameplay. And that's just a very, very scary thing if you're an avid consumer of video games. I mean, EA also recently had their AMA on Reddit. And a lot of the summaries are, oh, yeah, we'll change the game, except for the microtransactions, which we're keeping, and they're not going away. And a lot of people are summarizing at that. And I could see that stance that EA has taken that. It's like, we're not getting rid of this. We don't care. I think... One of the main things I've taken away from this is that I'm never, ever giving EA the benefit of the doubt again. When they first announced Battlefront 2, and they announced the fact that all of the DLC will be free, they said that, like, everything will be free, like, all the updates will be free, and I was like, huh, is this them sort of responding to the backlash from Battlefront 1? Because, uh, famously, or infamously, I should say, Battlefront 1 had a $50 season pass for, like, some additional maps and characters for stuff that should have been really included in the yeah. base game. Uh, the base what game the was, was pretty much unfinished, and with that fifty dollars, the game was finished over the course of over a year. So in the end, you were playing, paying if you bought everything at full price, one hundred ten dollars for the complete game, which is just absurd. So I thought maybe this is EA trying to turn around, make good. Nope, not at all. This was just because. They were implementing these this loot box system into the game. And they knew, like, even they're not thick-headed enough to think that people will pay for a season pass as well as loot boxes. So I, they saw, they probably saw, their analysts or whatever, that the, the loot box microtransaction would be way more lucrative than DLC. And the industry has shown that to be true. Making your game a service makes it way more profitable than by other means. And uh, now we ended up with what we got, Battlefront 2. Yep. Um, Here's some things I want to think about is where are they standing legally? Because Star Wars is a license from Disney. How how much of that do you think came into this? I don't think Disney said any... I mean, I want to say that, like, I don't think... I think Disney takes a pretty hands-off approach with all these things like you don't see Disney going to Marvel and being like make your next MCU movie like this or that you don't see Disney going to Star Wars or Kathleen Kennedy who who is the head of Star Wars and being like hey 
the next Star Wars movie should be X. They they know the smartest option is to let these sort of arms be independent, and because they know their own stuff better than everyone else. So right, I right. I don't think Disney went in and was like mandated loot boxes or something that reeks of EA. It had to have been. I I firmly believe it was a hundred percent EA. Oh no, I absolutely agree that uh, the loot boxes was their idea. My concern is not with did Disney step in and say, hey, you need loot boxes. My concern was, did Disney step in and say, hey, here's what you can do cosmetically to these characters. Um, Because when it comes to licensing stuff, you have to represent their characters pretty... You have to represent characters pretty specifically Mm -hmm. when it comes to licenses. So my concern is really, was there just a limit to how much cosmetic items they could actually do with this game? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it wasn't more. So I think that because but they had I, a target, they see, wanted to I don't, do I don't, more like, like so, gameplay changes. Yeah, you're 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 playing like devil's advocate here, but I still don't right. buy it because like, okay, maybe di- let's let's take the extreme stance and say Disney's like you have to represent the characters 100 percent like they were in the movies, no alternate costumes or anything. Right. Even so, like, I I feel like as if they were mandated to have uh, loot boxes, you could find a way around that, like. I, I I know that they have like different victory poses and stuff for characters that are loot box unlockables. Maybe stuff like that. Maybe bonus lines of dialogue, and little things like that that can serve as cosmetic unlockables. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, there is that. So I think what I want to see is more transparency on why they decided to go with the loot box system the way they did. Because I'm pretty sure DICE um, had little say in this, given no, it was the history of ab- EA. Absolutely. I feel really bad for DICE, actually, because they're beautiful-looking, quite frankly. Like, gorgeous-looking, competent game is completely marred by EA's business model, pretty much. Yeah, all of the reviews that are out right now say how beautiful this game looks, but... Th- all of it is dragged down by this loot box system. Which is a shame. Like, if they had maybe walked it back just two or three notches and been like, okay, there are tons of loot boxes in this game, but all of them are cosmetic and don't affect gameplay, then I think we would have seen, like, an Overwatch-type situation where, yeah, this game sells millions and millions of copies, and EA profits a lot from microtransactions. Because players, for reasons unknown to me, I don't really do that, but players love that stuff. They love getting like all the different lockables for their characters, the different looks, the different poses, what have you. Yeah. But that's well, I mean, not how it ended up. There are people in Overwatch who probably don't buy loot boxes with, with like their hard-earned cash. Um, they probably, there's a number of players that will play uh, just their matches, get their loot boxes by leveling up, uh, special events, that sort of thing. Um, but then there are the people who are, maybe they really like the Overwatch community, maybe they really like, uh, they want to support Blizzard more in what they've done, so they put a bit more money into it. That I can understand. It's still a minority, um, but that's where they're making a lot of their money. One company um, recently, I can't remember if it was EA or not, um, but they make 48% of their net revenue from these microtransactions. That sounds right. Um and so we can see that microtransactions are becoming a part of the industry and they're going to stick. We need to talk more about how we're going to handle them in developing our games. 
Um, yeah, it it definitely needs to be it needs to be wielded with caution. It's like a great it's a great power and with that, you know, the Spider-Man quote, yeah. <laughs> great responsibility. <laughs> right. Um and yeah, like I said earlier, I think this is the test. If EA gets away with this, we're going to see this in everything else. But if there's enough pushback and we say no, like this is not acceptable, we can turn the tides of history. And it's been done before. Gamers have done it before. Like, take uh, the launch of the Xbox One, for example. Initially, it came bundled with Kinect, and it was always online. And you couldn't share games with your friends, and like it was DRM locked and all that stuff. And after the immense negative response, Microsoft did a 180 on all of that. Because they were smart enough to see, okay, this is our vision for the future, but this is not how our audience feels. And if we want to be successful, we have to make them happy. Right. And I hope, hope, hope EA follows a similar path. Uh, we can also get into the point of, you know, the game might succeed because of people who just buy the game because it's a Star Wars game. Uh, there, just, yeah, just sort of chiming in, I think it will. I think it will succeed so for that so many reason. people who are just blind fanboys. Like, I had a roommate once who's like, I'm like, Battlefront 1, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun to play it was really boring in fact like the beta just was like oh this map's really beautiful but there's no content here he defended it vehemently played it for a week and has not touched it since right and i mean you can't really blame those people because that's the only star wars video game content there is now which is just insane to me like we mentioned on the show one of ea studios visceral getting shut down and they were making a single player narrative-driven Star Wars game, which I would love to play, like, ten times over Battlefront. That would be, that's completely my style of game. Had the writer from Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 on it. It would have been fantastic. But they saw the way the industry was going with multiplayer and loot boxes and microtransactions, and they canned it. And I think that's very sad. Like, I, I dream of the day, if it will ever come, if EA relinquishes the Star Wars IP. I know they won't, but let me just dream. And another studio picks it up, and we see different, beautiful, varied Star Wars games that aren't solely these soulless, multiplayer, loot box-infested garbage piles we're getting right now, quite frankly. Like, the original, like, 2000s, early 2000s Battlefront games, those were great games. People still play them to this day because they're really solid games. Yeah. They captured Star Wars in an essence of, oh, this is a ton of fun, and none of the content was locked behind a... Oh, you need to pay buy forty dollars worth of loot boxes or grind for four hundred hours to get this. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's another kind of good uh, statistic to bring up. Someone did the math right on how long you would take to unlock like everything in this game, and it was like over four thousand hours, right? Uh, we are uh, according to their math, it would take four thousand five hundred twenty-eight hours or twenty-one hundred dollars to unlock everything in Star Wars Battlefront Two. And okay, so yeah, taking that statistic into mind. They claimed it would replace the season pass, but $40 of loot boxes is nothing. Okay, I understand the fact that unlocking everything in a game is a pretty daunting proposition, especially with how massive games are today. Like, if you told me it took 5,000 hours to unlock every skin in Overwatch, I would believe you, and I would be like, that's okay. But the nature of the, nature of the rewards in this game mean that if some rich kid wants to be like, hey, I want all the powerful heroes and everything just drops two grand, and is instantly better than everyone else in multiplayer. That's just not okay. That's creating a skewed balance 
in your multiplayer ecosystem that will ultimately kill your long-term playability. EA is not, I, I, I definitely think it's not a smart move in the long run, and they will feel the consequence of that. And a lot of the user reviews are really low, and the game on Xbox One, currently on Metacritic, has a 72, which is it, not good, uh, well, comparatively. When I looked on Metacritic earlier today, I think it was like a 78 or something it's on a 72 PS4. for Xbox One. Right okay. Now. Okay. But even so, honestly speaking, that's still higher than I thought it was going to be. Which just goes to speak to the fact that beneath all these loot boxes is a pretty decent game, you know? It's just, it's just, ugh. It makes me so mad just thinking about it. Such a shame. They ruined a game by putting everything in loot boxes when putting Darth Vader in a loot box is the worst movie you can make because what kind of Star Wars game doesn't have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader? But, like, yeah, that's egregious by itself. But, like, what makes me really upset is the sort of, and afraid, actually, is the precedent this might set for the industry. Which is why I think it's so important that everyone resists this. I don't think there's any precedent being set, because this is the same amount of backlash Horse Armor would have received. But, okay, but the point is we won't be able to assess the sort of result until we know sales. Like, what if they still sell, like, 10 million copies in the first couple months? You know, then it's like, all that was for nothing. I mean, you look at the amount of backlash, and internet backlash that Mass Effect Andromeda received, and that game trashed it. That's a very good point. Trash. But Mass Effect Andromeda is like a water droplet compared to the ocean that is Star Wars. Star Wars is the most popular IP in the world. I don't know if that's actually true, but I'm fairly confident that it is. Probably one of the most uh, well-recognized franchises. I mean, (laughs) up there with Disney and Marvel um, (laughs) in the world. I mean, yeah. Uh, These are like the most highly recognizable franchises i can't maybe dc uh dc probably um is batman pretty, superman yeah they're pretty well known but um, I, th- I just feel like star wars is on a- another level which also speaking to the fact disney is probably just going to own the world one day <laughs> they already have marvel and star wars they're buying fox too well that's a rumor i don't think that's actually happening um we said that about marvel i do think it's inevitable for them to get fox though because i think Marvel wants them X-Men back pretty bad, and they're going to get them eventually. But anyways, that's I'm all. more excited for that's uh, off topic. if they buy Fox back, they get the Fantastic Four. But yeah, off topic. <laughs> so I guess, if are, do we have anything else we wanted to say about uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2? Because there's another part of EA I would really like to say. No, yeah, about. the topic is EA, so we all can right. move so, on from that. I do want to move on from Battlefront 2 because there's some other things happening at EA that I'm concerned with. So... We've seen this pattern um, more recent in more recent years. We've noticed this happening. EA has a tendency to acquire a studio um, and then shut it down. <coughs> Westwood. Westwood. Still visceral. Salty. Visceral. Uh, hang on, I have a whole. There's list a of, there's a list. There's a list. I have like EA list. will take a franchise, take a take a studio, make them make a couple good games that are really solid, and then make them then they'll make one trash game. And like oh, it's all over. Shut them down. So, so yeah, and Visceral kind of really hurt because those are the guys that did Dead Space, right? Yeah. Um, and recently they acquired Respawn, who does Titanfall. Titanfall 3. Which Titanfall is 4 is just very, trash. very, very concerning. I feel scared for Respawn, quite frankly, because I can see Titanfall 3 coming out with microtransactions and loot boxes up the butt. 
it not selling well, and then Respawn getting canned and Titanfall I mean, just getting Titanfall as a franchise just going away. Way back in the day during the Mass Effect 3 fiasco, a popular meme that was shared around was a person with EA for a head leading Bioware up to a cliff and just like, oh, what are you going to do? This is great. And then shooting Bioware in the back and hit the head and he falls down into a pit of it, just all the other studios. Just kind of, yeah. If, just kind of on that, like if they ever shot Bioware down, that's the one that's going to hurt the most for me because I've, some Bioware games are like my favorite games like of all time. Massive, the Mass Effect series, one, two, and three, I loved those games. Me being this huge like outer space sci-fi enthusiast that I am, like those games were perfect for me. And Dragon Age Origins, that's another classic that I loved. Um, I mean, I was more surprised that Visceral got shut down than Bioware, because Bioware, they kind of tr- tanked with Inquisition and uh, Andromeda. But I think out of all of their studios, Bioware has the most, has the highest reputation. Like, Bioware has been around since, for, for decades at this point, and they've put out some of the greatest games of all time. Like, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, they, they're a very, very powerful studio, even though their recent output hasn't co- quite been up to snuff. People have been saying that about, like, you could say the same about Westwood before it was shut down. Like, Westwood defined the RTS genre for years with the original Dune, and or Dune 2, I think it was called. And then Red Alert and all the Companion and Conquer games came out. And EA bought them up when they were at their peak. They released another Red Alert, uh, CNC3, CNC4, which was garbage. Court was complete trash. Completely changed the entire game, and that's what caused it to get shuttered. And Generals... All of those up to Command & Conquer 4 were really solid RTSs and were a lot of fun, and people enjoyed them. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I can't deny the fact that EA buying Respawn makes me think Respawn's not going to be around much longer. They are Respawn, right? Yes, Respawn Entertainment. Yeah, I'm concerned for Respawn because (coughs) uh, a former dev recently spoke out about EA, and what he pretty much told us was... He or she, I can't remember. um, But what we were told was... EA will acquire a company, just take Respawn, they will ask them to make a game, and then midway through development, can it, so now you have millions of dollars lost that you can't recoup because you have no project. Hundreds of people lose their jobs. Hundreds of people lose their jobs, and EA will headhunt them away from the studio that they just shut down. Was it was it a Maxis dev who said that? Because they, they shut down Maxis, who also were very influential in their day, and they just kind of... Well, Maxis was more of a case of it died really slowly over the course of the years. Right. Um, I can't remember exactly which company, but it was one of the companies that EA shut down. They yeah. shut down... Well, DreamWorks Interactive Danger Close or EA Los Angeles Medal of Honor. Medal, Danger Close released Medal of Honor Warfighter, which was... It was garbage. Like, the AI was so bad in that game that it looked... The premise was cool. The game itself was bad. Uh, they shut down Black Box, which released Need for Speed and Skate. Pandemic. Pandemic. Playfish, which was the Sims Social. That was kind of expected. Uh, Bullfrog. They actually shut down them in 2001. And Bullfrog released a lot of really good games. Dungeon Keeper. Uh, a lot of the... I'm trying to think. Theme Park. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Uh, they released Theme Hospital, Theme Park. I think Populous was under Bullfrog. Because mm-hmm. Bullfrog was uh, Peter Molyneux's big studio where he started. Yeah. I feel like the future is very grim for for Respawn, unfortunately. And 
it's only EA that does this that shuts down studios as soon as they buy them or well like, it's not only it's not only EA well they're the most egregious example like normally like Activision gets a studio they kind of nurture them and produce great things out of it well recently this isn't a studio but I'm thinking of Microsoft's first party game Scalebound that had like a huge huge budget it was going to be like this AAA title Scalebound was platinum right oh was it I think it was okay. platinum uh, yes well then Microsoft Microsoft shuttered development on that after years and platinum is still fine yeah they didn't shut it down the company though wasn't platinum released uh near automata right yes. yeah i think that was platinum so yeah there was a story about how after scalebound was uh um canceled canned uh near automata saved them as a company it just sold so insanely well that they were able to continue as a company i'm definitely gonna buy that game black friday yeah. i've been meaning to do it for a while Anything else to say about EA? Uh, you look at. I'm going to go back to like closing series. You look at Activision. When's the last time Activision's closed down a studio that hasn't performed bad for years? Like they've had their Call of Duty stu- Call of Duty studios that they keep adding to. They keep. I mean, ma- but pulling those but hey, out. Call of Duty is the most successful game franchise there is. Like each year, Call, of, Call of Duty is the highest selling game each year. So there's no reason for them to do that. Or you look at their treatment of Bungie. Like Bungie looks to have kind of found a new niche as soon as they got to Activision, where they just, oh, let's release Destiny. and Yeah, they sort of created a, a new a genre, universe, really. Yeah, or a, a genre, genre game, um, which is starting to be emulated. You see Ubisoft with D- The Division, which is pretty much Destiny. And when's um, the last time you've heard of Activision being t- said that it's just a garbage company? Like, there's no one that hates on Activision because they don't do a lot of terrible terrible things that EA does. Well, I don't know if that's true that no one hits on Activision, but I don't I I do agree in that they don't they don't even come close to the terribleness of EA. People uh, hate 2K more than they hate Activision. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to see how that uh Activision patent works out for them. Um Oh, right. Yeah. If they don't do it wrong, hey, maybe it won't be horribly invasive, although the way it's worded and sounds do you want to sort of explain it for people who don't know? Right. So the patent came up. Um, essentially what this patent does is you have you take two players, one senior player who has bought microtransactions and one junior player who's fresh into the game, just bought it right out of the box. So the junior player gets matched up against the senior player in a game. The junior player then realizes, oh, hey, that senior player has some really cool gear that I could buy from the store. Then they go and buy the gear from whatever store is available in the game. Uh, they are then matched up against people that were just like them, that have no microtransactions logged in, and they, uh, you know, it's sort of like, oh, wow, this, uh, my purchase was really good. I'm getting so much better performance. And that is concerning. Um, one, because it creates a horribly skewed multiplayer system, but also it's kind of it's predatory in the way it works. It's like, have you bought anything from our game? Not yet? Well, all right, yeah. let's show you why you should. It's very shady. Um, very underhanded, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. But, yeah, uh, we've, we've kind of veered off topic from EA. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to say about EA? Because I think this topic just pretty much took up, like, the length of an entire it show. It really did. This yeah. is the EA episode. And, I mean... I've been on the EA's a garbage company train since Mass Effect 3. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, man, you're not alone there. I mean, it's been voted the worst company in in the world for, what? Like, twice. Twice. And it's been voted 
It has gotten the Golden Turd, which is an award for being the worst company. It has gotten it twice, and people think they might get a third. They're they're going for the third, but yeah. EA has kind of tried to win us back, and some of their games are okay. Like the Battlefield series has been, well, Battlefield Four is a story of a game that released in a terrible, terrible state, and then the developers spent two years and made it a really, really good game. I've heard Battlefield 1 is doing pretty well for itself right uh, these days, so... Yeah. Like, you look at the story of the Battlefield 4 launch, where at launch, it could barely run. There was a map that was called Console Breaker, because every time you played it, your console would just crash. It wouldn't work. And they fixed that, and it's now a really solid first-person shooter, and probably one of the better ones of its era now because they continually worked on it. Like, the last map that was released on it was released less than a year before Battlefield 1 launched, and it was free. Sorry to kind of derail the conversation, but just going back to Activision, looking at the newest Call of Duty, it's pretty egregious with its loot boxes, too. I mean, I don't think there's anything gameplay-changing, but they're pretty just... They make you feel gross. Like, one of the missions in the campaign is to watch someone else open a loot box three times. Like, that's just... Like, what? Anyway, okay, gonna leave it at that. Uh, yeah, it's strange. Um, it's a weird turn to take, like, hey, come watch people open their loot boxes in the lobby. But have we... I, I haven't played any of the new Call of Duty World War II. How are the loot boxes? Are they cosmetics? I heard they were all cosmetic. And I haven't actually, played it either, but I do think they are cosmetic. And which is okay. Right. But still. I've heard the Ew. game itself is actually really good because, who, big shocker, a Call of Duty game is way better when there isn't a kill streak raining down every five seconds because there's no kill streaks in World War II. It apparently makes it a whole different game because you're not being killed by predator drones every five seconds because the enemy team is just rolling through you. And I kind of like that, coming back to its roots of, oh, just shoot the other guy instead of shoot the other guy three times, and then you have a predator drone. Right. Steamroll from there until you get your AC-130 and the game's over. Maybe we can do another topic on Activision one day. Next episode. But <laughs> Yeah, but for now, boo EA, you suck. That's pretty much the message here. For now, yeah, for now. Um, so let's end the show with what we always do, just talking about games we recommend or games that we've been playing. I'll start out by uh, talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, The Frozen Wilds. So the... Expansion to Horizon Zero Dawn recently came out. Very reasonably priced. It was $15. It adds roughly 15 hours of content to the main story. Um, And it's not like an uh, expansion you would access separately. It's seamlessly woven into the game. So you actually have to, like, find the quest giver to, like, go to the new area and then, like, explore it. Um, The expansion adds tons of new quests, new weapons, armors, enemy types... Uh, and it looks just absolutely gorgeous. And I think they actually improved. I, I read that they improved, and can see it as well, uh, improved the motion capture for, like, the game, like, the characters' performances and stuff. So everything just looks so much better, more realistic. And it it sort of complements the main story really well. And it coming out when it did, like, towards the end of the year, really just made me remember Horizon Zero Dawn is such a fantastic game. It is so good. The story is and lore is so intriguing. The combat is so enthralling. It's like so intense. Your heart's always beating quickly when you're surrounded by eight robot dinosaurs, and it's just such a blast to play. And I'm glad that this game, this expansion, came out when it did because 
like the game of the year awards are people are talking about that now and this sort of like refreshes horizon in their mind I mean, like hey this is was one of the best games released this year uh it can in my mind well personally i feel like mario odyssey and zelda were, were the best games this year but i think in a lot of aspects horizon can go toe-to-toe with those games which really is speaks to the quality of what guerrilla games has done so horizon zero dawn the frozen wilds that's what i've been playing what about you guys uh, I'm still on a Warframe kick, and no matter how grindy the game, people say the game is, you, you have still... to pick something new. That's the way this works. <laughs> I'm still on Warframe. I have not played anything but Warframe. Well, then, uh, <laughs> something in the past that you've played that you'd recommend? I played Skullgirls during Extra Life, and I enjoyed that. But Skullgirls, really solid fighting game. The animation quality is great. It's not full of like complete and utter crap like other fighting games more recently have been. Where it's just like, oh, this that works this way. Skullgirls actually has a practice mode that shows you hit frame data and hitboxes for everything. It's always good when fighting games have that. So, like, what sets this apart from other fighting games? Because it's really dialed to a simpler form. And it has a lot more character than, say, a Street Fighter. Where Street Fighter is just like, oh, there's these guys. They're 3D. They fight. Is it a 2D fighter? It's definitely 2D. Okay. And the art's all really unique all the characters have really unique movesets like there's a character big band who has he's themed around a j- entire jazz musician in a cyborg would you say that Skullgirls is more user or like more beginner friendly than a lot of the AAA um fighting games that we see these days yeah i picked it up within like 30 minutes and was beating someone with like over a day's worth of playtime in it hmm. like consistently it was really easy to pick up and really easy to understand because the moves kind of lend into themselves. Like you pick Big Ban and his moves can control an entire screen. You could, his hitboxes are insane, and yet you could still fight around it. And it just shows you all this information up front. Uh, if you go into the practice mode, yes, you can see all the hitbox information, frame animation, like everything. Hmm. Everything you'd need to know is right there instead of having to go to a forum and hope someone's calculated this, like you do in Smash or something. Yeah, that's a really useful tool for, like, getting better at the game. Or learning a character or yeah. learning how to deal with characters by knowing their hitboxes and where exactly they can hit and where they can be hit and how long it takes for you to punch. Yeah. Nice. It sounds like a really uh, sort of in-depth, strategic kind of fighter. It's, it's really fun. And it kind of there's also three different ways you can fight. You can fight with one character, two characters, or three characters. And it balances the health out between those three characters. So if you're fighting with one character, the one character has the has a ton of health relative to if you had two characters. Okay. Uh, Tristan, what have you been playing, or what do you recommend? I have play- been playing a whole lot of Destiny 2. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to get uh, ready to play the raid with a couple of close friends of mine, um, and so I've just been going and going through that. Um, so I, w- I hate to burst your bubble, but I already talked about Destiny 2. Yeah. Recently, no, so I want to. Uh, I mean, that's fine. I didn't have much to say about Destiny Two, other than I really like shooting the guns because they feel nice yeah. to shoot. Um, otherwise, I have been playing Tekken for the original PlayStation. Nice. Okay. Um, I picked it up a little bit ago because I'm a huge Tekken fan, and so I wanted to see what its original iteration was like. And wow, um, it's. <laughs> it, it's a product of its time for sure. Um, 
I love it. It still controls great, but boy, are those faces just the stiffest looking things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I could recommend it unless you're a huge Tekken fan like myself. But uh, for the, well, the time it was made, it is a solidly built uh, 3D fighting game. And yeah, it, it was sort of the one of the 3D fighting games that pioneered the genre. Like Tekken's one of the pillars of fighting games today, really. So yeah. Uh, up, well, yeah, it got started around the same time as a uh, Virtual Fighter, which was the original 3D fighting game, and now it's. It's still standing. Virtua Fighter's gone. I haven't heard from Dead or Alive in a while. And um, hey, talk I... about that volleyball now. Oh yes, <laughs> Dead or Alive Extreme. <laughs> Not a fighting game. Nice. Okay. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this week. We might do a follow-up topic if we see how the results of like this backlash to EA ends up. This could be a multi-week thing. Yeah, it's it it's important. I think we need to give it attention. Like yeah. it. What happens now could shape the next several years. This of is video a game. lot of the hate against loot boxes finally coming to head for, in for the good reason. Way. Yeah. yeah, but anyways, until next time, we'll be eagerly anticipating what happens. Um, see you guys later.